I've been playing outdoors since I was a kid, standing by the front door at around two years old, hollering, side, side, trying to get my mom to let me go play outside. Now, after 30 plus years working in the outdoor business, I'm dropping insider conversations every week with brand leaders, guides, marketers, CEOs, and others that make the outdoor business a trillion dollar juggernaut that drives product innovation, revenue, and public policy for everything outdoors. I'm Rick Says. Welcome to the Outdoor Biz Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Miles to Memories. I'm Sean Kuma, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung and Mark Osterman, and we have a really great show for you. Great information this week, including a rant by Mark and a debate about breakfast at Hilton's you don't want to miss. Plus, we'll talk about credit cards with no credit scores. The banks are going to start sharing information and looking at other bank account data, but is that a good idea? Plus, where can Americans who are vaccinated travel in the world? We have a full guide and breakdown for you. All of that, plus rapid fire and more. If you like this show, please subscribe. Search Miles to Memories in any podcast app and you can find us. And don't forget to leave us a review. Join our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Miles to Memories. And if you want to dive a little deeper into the world of Miles and Points, we have our Patreon. We explained it on the podcast in the last couple weeks, so check out the past episode. But you can find that at patreon.com forward slash Miles to Memories. You get bonus content every week, private Facebook, private Discord. It's really a community of people nerdy about Miles and Points, and we're going to have meetups, including our first one in August. Really excited for that. So check it out again, patreon.com forward slash Miles to Memories. Now let's get into the show. What's up, gentlemen? How uh, how's your week been? I know Mark, you said you have a big rant for later, so I'm going to tease that up front here because I'm excited about it. But other than your big rant, how has your week been? Uh, it was pretty good. I mean, I worked all weekend. I do uplighting for weddings um, as a side thing, and I had two this weekend, so it was kind of good to get back out there, see weddings, pretty much normal, which was nice to see, and everybody celebrating and everything. So make a little extra money. Headed up to the cottage. Uh, we rented it out this weekend for the first time, so everything went smooth. That was good. Headed up there yesterday to kind of clean it up and get everything ready for this weekend. Memorial Day weekend, ready, excited. It's not going to be too warm, which sucks, but other than that, it was good. How about you, Joe? I have no idea what's going on. Just feel super busy all the time. Going to soccer, Little League, soccer, Little League conflict. It's It, it was really hot this pick, weekend. You have to pick which child you like better and go to that one. Well, the, <laughs> the problem is the conflicts are within the child. Like, I have a child who's Little League conflicts with her soccer and so we have to choose which one to go to and it was super hot this weekend but then now it's like 60 degrees again so you know doing the weather strikes again but yeah how you doing sean good uh surprisingly cool here too i don't know what happened uh, with the weather but it's back by the end of this week we'll be back into the hundreds and we'll, we'll never forget about uh, that but it was like as cool as like 70 degrees uh, over the weekend so i enjoyed that and hanging out on the vegas strip a little bit doing some filming for the channel and uh, that's about it. I mean, it's crazy to see the crowds. It's just I have like these vivid memories of last summer and how empty everything was. And I didn't realize like until I see everybody back, I don't know how powerful I guess that image is in my mind, you know, walking through the same places where there was zero people and now there's a thousand people and kind of bittersweet. I do miss some of those empty areas. I do miss some of that quiet that uh, that the pandemic brought us. Of course, Both I'm so glad. <laughs> 
No, I mean, I'm glad that people are there, but no, I'm not anti-social. I'm anti a million people in tight areas. You know, I don't love that. I don't think anybody loves that, but that's uh, what Vegas is now. And that's what busy Vegas is. And I had sort of forgotten about that. I think you remember why all locals avoid the strip normally. <laughs> yeah. Instead of starting YouTube channels where they got to constantly uh, be down there. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely gets to that point, but people seem to be having a lot of fun and yeah, it's, uh, it's good to see vegas uh, back to sort of be in the thick of it i already you know my kids are spaced out far enough apart joe that i don't have to pick favorites between them we favored one for a while then we had the other and now we favor her and just tell my son that he's out of luck should have spaced out these children more next year if three of them are playing soccer i, I don't even know what's gonna happen you don't so. ever travel anymore that's what happens you just travel to soccer tournaments that's that becomes your new thing well hopefully <laughs> if anyone's good enough to Days travel for in. soccer tournaments then we'll go but we're not traveling for no Soccer tournaments for garbage players. It's only if they're good enough to travel will we do it. <laughs> Ooh, that's brutal, man. Brutal. What's what's Harsh. the point? Okay. What's the point of traveling for soccer tournaments if you're not actually good at soccer? I mean, I think the travel, the real travel teams are only like, I mean, travel like outside of your state or whatever for tournaments and stuff like that. You got to be pretty good to do that, right? I assume. Uh, I mean, I there's a lot. There's a lot of tiers these days. These are money factories now, so. They'll have a team with like four different, like each age group will have four, like a D team, a B team, a C team, because they got to pay all the coaches and everything. So I've seen some pretty bad players on tra travel teams these days. So, I mean, like we we have that in our town, and but that's just to travel like within like 20 minutes away. I, I don't know if we'd be going to like New Jersey. Also, I coach my daughter's team and I get paid nothing. So I don't know what's going on there. No, I, I think it's these like AAU type coaches that actually get paid and things yeah. like that yeah do they ask you they're the like town. they're like they're like coach joe can we go travel somewhere and go play some teams you guys aren't good enough just be quiet we're not going anywhere if they were not in second grade i probably would tell them that i mean i used to coach <laughs> high school softball and kids all the time would be like oh why aren't you putting me in the game and i was like you strike out in practice during batting practice like why would i put you in the game when they're in high school they need to deal with reality you know athletics uh you need a certain amount of skill to get in if the game is still uh, in competition. You're a full, uh, full-on Gordon Bombay in the mix. I wish, I wish, I wish. <laughs> All right, well let's uh, let's get into the show and talk credit cards. What's really interesting uh, this week, the Wall Street Journal had an article, and I think this ties into the to the theme that we've talked about a lot with technology, sort of creeping its way into the hobby, and we've seen like over the last few years, banks sort of bend over backwards to get the unbanked, the quote unquote unbanked as their customers. Uh, American Express famously created Bluebird for that, right? And that turned into a, to a huge failure for them, uh, which they ended up selling it for a fraction of what they put into it. But nowadays they're gonna take a different approach. The major banks, Joe, are going to start using bank account data to approve people or deny people for credit cards. And these are people who don't maybe have a traditional credit report or they have bad credit. And they're going to say you can use your bank accounts to determine whether you get approved. And the big thing here is the major banks are all going to share the data across the banks. Do you think this is a good idea? I don't know. It's part of me wants to be like, wow, that's kind of a lot of data for the banks to be sharing. And then another part of me is like, I don't know, it's just the 21st century, right? Like, is this just the way things are going to be going forward? And I do like just the whole concept of getting cards without even getting a credit check or even having a credit report. Like it's just so bizarre and foreign to the way our brains have been trained, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Of course it's the bank. So they're probably trying to make money off of this. So, you know, it's not all altruistic 
or anything like that. But I just feel like this is such a paradigm shift from what we're used to that I don't even know how to process it right now. So luckily, Mark's here. I'm sure he has very wise thoughts to share. <laughs> I don't know about that. But yeah, this kind of reminded me of the whole uh, the city issue where I had to verify my account in various ways. And one of them was they called Chase to verify that I had a Chase credit card that I gave them the number of. I thought that was really strange and kind of an invasion of privacy, but I was so over it at that point, I just went with it. So I think they already are working together in ways we don't realize. And this is just like another step towards that. I don't really like it because I don't want them communicating in any way. I don't think that's right. You know, I don't think they should share your your private bank info. I'm sure you'll have to release it or give them the okay to do this. So I guess that's one way to get around it. But what else are they going to share? You know, where else does this go? Usually, it doesn't just stop there. So I'm not a fan of it. People that don't have credit cards and stuff or don't have credit normally don't have bank accounts. I I feel like, you know, in the inner cities and stuff, they, they bank, you know, they do their payments with money orders and things like that. So I don't know that there's a huge market for it either. So we're opening up this whole new area of exploration for a small minority of people, a small group of people, I feel like at least. Uh, my friend's one of them. I think I've talked to him about, about him on the show. We travel a lot together. He, he doesn't have a credit card, doesn't have a car payment, nothing. I don't even know if he has a cell phone bill. I think he does like pay as you go. So I guess this would help him if he wanted to get a credit card, but he doesn't really want to. <laughs> so I don't know who it's going to help, I guess. You make a good point. There are people out there who are you know they have money they're not necessarily have bad credit who just don't have car payments their houses are paid off and they don't fall within the traditional credit system and this sort of helps with that uh, but i feel like this opens up the door to a lot of privacy violations um, but yeah to the point B bank of america and jp morgan chase said uh, in this wall street journal article that over the last couple of years they've started using internally bank account information on their applications so that they were looking if you apply for chase they're looking at your accounts with chase and they said that they've approved over seven hundred thousand people in just the last couple of years just by doing that them and bank of america so clearly there is some sort of market for this but we've seen stories in the last couple of weeks of the government wanting to see your bank account balances the government wanting to see everything that you have the credit card approvals being shared with the irs now we're seeing banks sharing your data in between them and I think this is a good time to remind everybody that we need to have a conversation about data privacy and what we want everybody sharing what we don't. And some may, people might say, well, why do you care if the banks talk about this stuff? But my question to you is why should they be allowed to? To your point, Mark, they're already kind of doing it in certain ways. The credit file itself, right? Our credit score itself is a sharing of our data. And this just seems like it's gonna be an extension of that unfortunately. As far as permission, from what I read, they put it right in the terms and conditions. Just the same permission you're giving them to run your credit applies to this. So you're not going to have to give them any more uh, permission to opt into this. Uh, it just seems like it's going to be done. And the other thing I want to point out is they say they're only going to use it when they try to run your credit and they can't come to an approval. But that's just right now. This is an expansion of credit, in my opinion. And I feel like our credit reports are going to start reflecting this stuff. And maybe for a lot of us, you know, it's probably going to be good, right? But for people pushing the envelope, it certainly is a case where I think technology is not working for us. Yeah, I mean, Ryan in the chat said, I don't think it'll change things for us, quote unquote, just for people without credit history, which is true about this particular thing. But I think my concern would be if banks are sharing more and more information, like Mark has already experienced, like with this move as well, they're just going to keep pushing the envelope about what to share. Now, 
the positive side of that is if you're trying to have a relationship with a new bank, they can use your relationship with old banks to perhaps get you approved. Like maybe Capital One will finally approve me for the first time in 20 years. Nope. Yeah, they still <laughs> won't. But theoretically. However, the flip side of that is I think what you're implying about pushing the envelope, Sean, is some people in this hobby get in trouble with certain banks. And if you get in trouble with Bank A and Bank A is talking to Bank B, C, and D about what you've done, you know, the more that they're communicating with each other, it kind of makes you a bit more at risk for everything. Now, I know that's a minority of people. However, I can just see things happening where the banks already hold the majority of the cards. And then if they're sharing information, they could use that to make things more difficult for us in general. And the question is who owns that information? We do. That's really fundamentally what you, what you look at it. And we do like, it took a long time in the credit reporting area, but they came up with all those rules saying that we could access our reports, access our scores, that the data is actually ours. And so we need to like be aware of this stuff and where it's headed. In that article, it says the banks are also discussing eventually working with other data providers and aggregators such as Plaid and Finicity to consider an applicant's history of paying rent, utility bills, all of this stuff. If you don't know what Plaid is, Plaid is the company, have you ever like opened a stock app and it tells you you want to fund the app and it gives you a ability to log in to your bank account and then it pulls the information into that app? Plaid is the middleman that is in every one of those transactions. And a lot of people don't know, but Plaid makes most of their money by selling your data. When you log into that stock app and you give it access to your Chase bank account, it now has taking a snapshot of all your credit cards, all your Chase stuff, and it's selling it to other people. Plaid is such a successful business that Visa bought them about a year ago for billions of dollars. And so that's sort of where we're heading. And I just thought it was interesting reading this to make people aware of it, because this is a huge data privacy issue. And I don't know if there's anything we can do about it, but I certainly don't think it's good for us uh, in general. Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you think them taking the totality of your rent and being able to see your balances everywhere and how many credit cards you have everywhere and every little transaction that you do everywhere. Maybe that's something that's good to you, but that's basically where we're headed. And, but in the meantime, it looks like uh, people without credit mark are going to be able to get credit cards. So I guess uh, there I are mean, some winners here. They, could, they always could if they just get a secure card for a few months first. So it's not like it was impossible. It, it cuts out that step, I guess, but what was that step? I mean, if somebody really wants a credit card or wants credit, they only need to do that for a few months and then they will have a credit report or go buy a car, put money down. If you were paying cash, only pay half cash. There's ways to do it now. And I don't think anybody's like, oh, all of a sudden I need to have credit like right now. And I never had it before. So it's just a way for them to get more info, I think. To get and to get more customers. That's picture. what they want. Yeah. Yep. You know, and so they say 56 million people, something like that, are in this category. So uh, look for look for that coming soon. And and we'll, we'll follow the developments. It's always interesting. And uh, it just seems like the data privacy stuff is sort of always in the background uh, with all of these stories that we're seeing lately uh, with this. But let's pivot to... Although, one last uh, thing. I should say uh, my buddy does have like a 780 credit score because he's uh, I use him for the authorized user bonuses. So he always says, oh, I got a really good credit score. So he's score. fine. So he's, he's fine. Yeah, he's yeah. So there's a way around it. If you don't want to do all this hoops, just uh, have a friend that with good credit and have them hook you up and they earn points and you get credit. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, good thing that, they are, that they're providing alternative ways for people. I mean, I think that's the great thing, but it's just the, uh, the sharing that is concerning to me, but something we should keep our eye on. All right. So let's pivot to talking about where we can travel. Let's talk about travel. Uh, Ryan did a great article on the site talking about where vaccinated Americans can travel, not 
places where all Americans can travel, but places that have said, if you are vaccinated, uh, you can come here. And I know there's a lot of people, what is it, close to 50% of adults now are vaccinated. So a lot of people ready to get out there. Unfortunately, if you have little kids, there's not much you can do about the whole, the whole vaccination thing uh, right now. And I don't, have you guys seen if any of these places are making any exceptions for kids that are unvaccinated? I haven't seen that anywhere. No, I think uh, a couple of them said like 10 or under if they're unvaccinated, uh, you, you need a test and stuff. So I don't think there's, I don't think there's a way they could do that. Um, they're just opening themselves up to issues if they, if they do let kids in because vaccinations haven't rolled out to all kids. I expect that to happen in the next six months or so. I think I've heard. Um, I know around here they've already let some kids. I think like twelve and up maybe um, get it. So it, soon it will be open to everybody. I think you know because we've kind of plateaued of people getting it, so and they still are making a whole bunch of vaccinations. So. I think they're just going to open it up and see what happens. But yeah, overall, um, I see my big issue is still all the stuff required coming back. I don't really mind going. Um, it's nice to not have to have a test. A lot of these places, especially like in the Caribbean and stuff, are waiving uh, having needing to have a test to enter the, the country. But when you come back to the U.S., you still have to have a test, which adds hoops that you have to jump through when you're in country. And as well as, you know, the possibility of a, a false positive or getting stuck for a couple of weeks. So that's really what I'm waiting to see is when the U.S. drops that requirement. Um, but this is kind of nice for people. They don't have to worry about getting it before they leave for certain areas. Yeah, I feel the same. Even if I was not going with my kids, I don't want to deal with having to test on the way back, especially because amongst the vaccinated, there are more there's just a higher percentage chance of having a false positive than having an actual positive. You know, it's one thing if I'm actually positive and can't come back, but to not be able to come back for a false positive would be really frustrating. So would definitely wait for the U.S. to kind of waive testing for the return for people who are vaccinated. And just one more thing before anyone uh, throws their phone out the window, if they haven't already, just to be clear, 12 and up are legally allowed to or not legally but allowed to get vaccinated because there was approval for it uh, for the pfizer vaccine and five and up it's just going to be whenever they go through enough trials to feel like it's safe so it's not mark's not saying that arbitrarily it's just going to be decided like they're going to do the science behind it and figure it out and once it's approved so chill out if you threw your phone out the window already and if you're going to throw your phone out the window at Joe, they're actually not approved. The vaccines are under an emergency use emergency. authorization. By, E-U-L-A. By, yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. By the FDA. Oh, we're getting so scientific not, up in this place. No, because there are people, <laughs> if you get political, there are people who get upset about that. I'm not upset about it. I don't care. But uh, it, it's a different because it's not fully approved going forward. It's under an emergency use. And then they are applying for full approval, which is expected to happen this summer. So it's not like these are not going to get uh, full approval, most likely. But that's as political as I want to get with this. Let's talk about countries. Uh, where I mean, a lot of countries in the Caribbean, right? The Bahamas, Barbados, uh, Belize, Bermuda, British Virgin Islands, a lot of European countries opening up. Germany is already open up. We know France and Denmark opening up soon. Uh, any, I know you guys, let's say that they, they got rid of the testing requirement. Anything stand out to you where you're just like, this would be a good time to go to that place before things get completely back to normal or just nothing I, to, I, to move the needle for you? Yeah, I think like over the summer, Italy would be a good one because it's always so busy during the summer and maybe it'll be less busy. And they're, they kind of have a weird setup where you have to fly a specified carrier on a specified route to, to get around some of the requirements because they're working with the airlines to make sure 
they check everything before you come. So that would be an area I'd check out. Greece is another one. Um, and I, and I know some people that have already gone to Greece. And one thing I will say, Christopher in our diamond lounge, he made a great point. He, I think he's currently still in Greece, but you know, even the airlines don't really know what's going on. He contacted United and said, do I need a test? Cause Greece isn't requiring it, but I'm transitioning through this airport. Do I need a test for that airport? And they said, yes, you do. He called the airport directly. The airport said, no, you don't. If you're just, you know, if you're not leaving the airport, you don't need a test. So you can't even really rely on uh, airlines to know up to date. So do your own research, make the phone calls, maybe just get the test anyway, uh, just to be safe because you never know things could change on the fly. So those, these are all things you have to consider and see if it's worth it to, to travel internationally right now. But yeah, I thought that was a good piece of advice from him. I think you make a good point about the summer. I expect that as we get further in the summer, these regulations will sort of flesh themselves out and the countries will kind of get more used to uh, what their rules are and then it should be a little bit easier. And like you guys both have pointed out, the testing return requirement for the U.S. is ridiculous uh, for vaccinated people. And hopefully they do away with that because that just adds so much stress. I recently canceled a trip to Panama solely because I didn't want to risk getting a, a positive test to come back home and I know a lot of people are doing that, but yeah, all, almost all of Europe is on some sort of stage of reopening, tons of places in the Caribbean. So there are options this summer. Uh, keep an eye out and be aware, like you said, of all the pitfalls, because there are pitfalls. I mean, there are horror stories and there's pitfalls. And for certain people, it's going to be a terrible disaster. We've all met that person who has a disaster just flying to Miami or something, you know, so it is what it is. Yeah, I thought I was going to be more, I guess anxious or excited to travel internationally but i found that even though i'm ready to travel again and have a lot of travel in the books it's been so long that i really don't need to go to europe i think i guess if i could go to japan right now i'd go to japan but besides that i just don't think i'm feel incredibly compelled to go internationally right now um because a, it would require finding someone to watch the kids at home. B, just because why go through all those hoops when next year I'll be able to do it? Yes, it'll be great to have lower crowds this summer, but on balance, I'm, I'm happy just traveling within the States uh, for this summer. And then, you know, we'll see how things are in the fall or next spring for sure. All right. Well, let's talk uh, breakfast then, Mark, because I know <laughs> you wrote an article this week that upset a lot of people. Uh, Hilton made a temporary change to their breakfast benefit in the United States only and only through the end of this year. And they've, instead of giving free breakfast, they're giving credits. It breaks down, depending on the, the level of the hotel that you're at, we have a whole article on what the credits are. And yeah, I'll let you take it from there because you had an interesting take on it. And uh, I know you have a rant, so go for it. If you have kids around, you might want to mute it. Or uh, if you're listening live, Joe will probably do some some bleeps in here if if you're listening to the I recording. Can't... But... I can't, I can't, can't believe, believe live. you live, okay? Yeah, Just... I know. That's what I said. I said when you, if you're listening to the recording later, you're fine. But if it's uh, oh, live. Oh, no, you said if you're listening. No. Okay, whatever. <laughs> or just leave the bad words out, Mark. Find no. creative ways to say um, it without the bad words. I can't promise anything. But, uh, you know, this is before we get into the whole breakfast thing, I wanted to kind of touch on something, you know, and I see this as a problem in society, not just miles and points, not just Facebook groups, everything. Uh, you know, it, it's way bigger than that, but... Whenever somebody has a, an opinion, if somebody has a differing op opinion right now, they all automatically assume that you're wrong, and they're pretty much an about it. And, and we ran into that with this article in the Facebook group, in the comments. And as Sean has said many times, and I've said, we welcome discussion. You know, this was my opinion, my take on it. 
I didn't say this was the best option for everybody. I said, this is why I think it's better. And some people got really upset about it. I don't know why, you know, I didn't say this is, hey, you should be happy that this is happening. I said, this is why I'm happy it's happening. So for whatever reason, we have a whole bunch of people that if they, if they do not agree with you, they automatically assume that you're wrong and they're going to let you know it, which I find very annoying and frustrating because I can see both sides. You know, I could see people that like this change that don't like this change. And I'm open to discussion about it, but to just come off and say, you're basically an idiot or, you know, to be a jerk about it for no reason is beyond me. And we see this in the Facebook groups. We see people are even afraid to ask questions because they get attacked by other people. You know, they'll even preface their, their question by saying, hey, sorry for the noob question. They, they shouldn't be required to do that. Nobody should be fearful of that. People don't even ask questions. They'll send me a private message because they're afraid of getting attacked from people in this space, which is sad. It's, you know, a societal problem. It's everywhere, but it's something that they shouldn't have to deal with. I did a tweet a couple weeks ago about, you know, this is a hobby. People, you got to take it less seriously. You don't need to be so angry about it. And if somebody doesn't agree with you, it doesn't mean that you have to go on the offensive for them. We're not curing cancer here. We're simply talking about travel and enjoyment. So be less of a d- I guess I would say, to people out there. And there's a lot of them in this space. And unfortunately, we look the other way. We let people do it. That goes to people that write in the space. That goes to people that are just fans of the space. And I, for one, am not going to stand for it anymore. If I see it, I'm going to call people out about it. I'm going to remove people without hesitation because that's not the type of society we want to build. That's not the community we want. So I think it's something that needs to end. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to comment about that before we get into the breakfast stuff. Yeah, I mean, I do, because there was specifically one person who I've known for many, many years, who's known us for many years, who attacked you in the group. And, I mean, what world do you live in where you think that that's okay to, to treat people that way to, to this person that's, that was attacking you? And we did call that person out in the group and shame on them. And, you know, we're all human beings here. And you and I get attacked a lot. I mean, that's just the nature of the Internet, right? And so we're sort of used to it. And sometimes we laugh it off and we blow it off and we hardly ever bring it up to anybody uh, outside of miles to memories, but, and then that's just part of the, the game of what we do, I guess. But yeah, let's just be friendly. And more importantly, where we have control, let's make it a friendly, safe space. And that's what we're going to continue to do and be even stricter on enforcing our moderation. Uh, this person who attacked you is still in the group, probably because I know this person and I had sort of given this person a pass a few times in the past. And uh, that's not going to happen anymore for not just that person, but anybody doing this. Let's talk. I mean, What's the point of life of just being in a in an echo chamber where everybody agrees with us and we can't ever disagree with each other and have conversation and learn and grow? But let's talk breakfast, Mark, because I think you're wrong. No, I'm sorry, Joe. Joe, what do you have to say? <laughs> I do want to talk breakfast, but yes, don't be a jerk on the internet. I agree with what you guys are saying. On the breakfast, I do disagree with Mark, uh, which is fine. My problem with it is that and I do I do see why people had a visceral reaction to it, because my experience with Hilton, and I think I actually talked about this on one of our earliest podcasts, is that when I was at the Hilton in Waikiki, uh, I think it's called Hilton Hawaiian Village, they did not have breakfast for Hilton Diamonds, and they just gave us a $20 credit per room. Now, this, this one that they've just instituted is a little bit better. It's $20 times two, like up to two people, so... $40 per room, if I'm not mistaken, but it was like $20 per 50. room. It would be 50 now for a Waldorf. So you okay, it was not a Waldorf. Per... I was not oh, a Waldorf. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was just Hilton Hawaiian Village. So It would be $7 now. <laughs> well, that, that, that's going to be my point, that at 
in Hawaii, that $20 bought us two muffins. And that was like it, you know, and a coffee, um, which was not enough to feed my family five, which as Hilton Diamond with any kind of lounge access or anything like that, but that, that hotel didn't have a lounge, you could get a little bit more um, out of that. So I do feel like on balance, this is a cost cutting move. And in a lot of cases, you're not going to be able to get enough out of your $40 or whatever it is for whichever property. I mean, another annoying thing is like, it's going to be so hard to keep track of how much is at which, and they could tell you the wrong thing at the front desk. And you probably like, I'm not going to go look at my terms and conditions when I have three kids waiting to check in or whatever. So I don't love this. If it was like either, or that would be one thing I do get. I, I do feel like, I just feel like we're at the point where we should no longer be using, or it's it's getting old to be using the pandemic to have an excuse to like do cost cutting things. And so, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. Maybe in practice, it'll be fine. But, you know, at first glance, I was like, this is not like, this is not a net benefit. I know some people don't eat breakfast and that's, that's great for them. But the reality is like the advertised benefit originally was breakfast. So if you're going to take that away, then you just need to change what it says in the benefits. Otherwise you have like this whole thing about confused expectations. Uh, you know, bottom line, hide for life. <laughs> yep, that's the bottom line. I did make a, uh, in the in the article, I said, hi, is basically the only breakfast that matters. I say that half jokingly, half serious, because they do allow it for four people per room where Hilton's always, you know, it's your mileage may vary, but it was supposed to be for two people per room. Even if you booked multiple rooms, you would only get the two. So there was weird enforcement of it. I personally like the change for a few different reasons. One, it gives me options. Um, I will say, okay, let me preface this whole thing. If you're a business traveler, this is a bad change. If you use the breakfast to, one, extend your per diem, uh, where you're not spending money on breakfast so you can save it for lunch and dinner. Um, Two, the convenience of hitting it in the morning before you go to the office or whatever. Big, big thing. And then three, um, anytime you're in a resort where you're kind of landlocked, this is definitely going to hurt a little bit more, um, like a Hawaii, stuff like that. So... Those type of things, you know, but for my travels, I liked it because it gives me the options. Um, a lot of times I have an early flight, so I miss that breakfast anyway, you know, especially on one night stays. Uh, I might get out of there before breakfast opens, so I'm getting zero. Now I'm getting something. Another thing is I might be out late and I get in. And how many times have you gotten up early or earlier than you would have just to go shove some crappy breakfast in your face? Uh, to take advantage of this, you know, free breakfast because you don't want to miss out on your freebies. So, you know, I think of like Disney. You get up extra early to go downstairs to have bre- breakfast before you go to the park where you could have used that extra 30, 45 minutes of sleep for a long day in the park. Stuff like that if you're in Vegas and you're out late. You don't want to wake up just to roll downstairs and get breakfast, that type of thing. So this gives you options where you could use it when you get back at the end of the day to have drinks. You could have dinner. You could have lunch. You can use it by the pool. An example, I'm staying at the Waldorf in Vegas in a couple months, and I'm looking forward to it because I can go down the street and buy a, a similar breakfast for 10 bucks a person, and I'm going to be getting $50 for the two of us to use at the pool, have drinks, eat, go to the Sky Bar, so I can do all that. So I come out ahead, actually. So those are things I wanted people to think about. Uh, a lot of people said they agreed. Even more people said they didn't, which is fine, um, and I totally understand where they're coming from, but... Maybe this does turn into at the beginning of next year where they give you an either or option. And their PR spin said, we want to give people options. Um, that's what we were listening to you. Well, that would have been the case if you said you can have breakfast or a credit. 
Um, so that was just spin, but maybe that's where it will go in the future, which would be kind of cool. I'm sorry. Um, why are you waking up early to eat breakfast at Disney World? It's not free, so I don't know what you're doing there. I don't, I don't <laughs> know. You're saying you're just trying to like I'll sneak that in there, trying to tell yeah, us was, how we behave at Disney World. <laughs> I was like, I was like, nobody wakes no. up to eat free breakfast at Disney World. There's no such thing as anything free at Disney. <laughs> no, World. I'm talking about if you're staying off property, like we were staying at a Double Tree. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that makes more sense. <laughs> and there that is a Hilton. Sense. There are many yeah. Hilton properties on or Hilton hotels on property at Disney World too. Yeah, so if you're staying at, of course, Disney Springs, um, and you want to head down and get breakfast before you head to the parks, you know, that's you have to factor that time in, where I would rather just grab something to go at the park or maybe from the marketplace on the way out the door, and then when I come back at night and the kids are swimming and stuff, you can grab a drink by the pool or get them something to eat for dinner. So I kind of like having that option. And one more point I'll bring up is, you know, right now the higher end properties, which people complained about, are all over the map. They kind of do whatever they want. Our friend Derek at Travel on Points is at the Waldorf in uh, La Quinta. Is that how you say it? Which at first I thought it was La Quinta Inn and Suites, but it's the Waldorf out I was in gonna say, isn't I was going to say, isn't that a, a hotel <laughs> itself? A hotel within yeah. a hotel? Yeah, so... Um, they gave him $15 uh, to use on breakfast today, you know, and when I stayed in Key West, it was you could either get 15 bucks at the grab and go or you get a continental breakfast. I much rather would have had $50 out by the uh, pool where I had a really good lunch because breakfasts at hotels are the most overpriced thing at the hotel. So Wait, you, they gave him 15 or 50 you said 15. 15, because it hasn't rolled into the new thing. They so, only gave him 15? Yeah, because Waldorf kind of make up their own. They, only make, they make up their own. And, and two eggs, uh, sausage, okay. and hash browns were like $50 there. So see, you end up see, getting coffee is, and a bagel for 15 bucks. But Yeah. So this is what bothers me about the change. It's not even the change itself. It's like, don't sell me a false bill of goods. You know, with the, with the Hilton in Hawaii... The front desk was like, oh, yeah, we give you the $20 credit so you have so much more flexibility. It's like, I have three kids, dude. Like, how much flexibility do you think $20 is going to give me? Now, I know that the policy is changing, but it's just like, if you're really... And gosh, I hate to do this. It's embarrassing. But like, I do think this is where Hyatt kind of stands out because when they are talking about their breakfast benefit, at, at least as of right now, they are presenting it in a way like this is probably going to be what's best for you or we're going to try to make this work for you as much as possible whereas with hilton like you're giving me the spin and maybe it'll work better for me in some situations maybe it won't but you know don't don't um i don't know i don't know what the metaphor is but it's, don't put lipstick on a pig right just tell us what it actually is that's not the one i wanted but uh i want to works. think of something like it works don't uh put poop in a paper bag and say that it's Light candy it or fire. something like okay that. let's just get we're getting worse here we're getting <laughs> You guys have both made the perfect point is that this is not a change in their policy at all. Hilton hotels in the United States have been doing breakfast credits forever. I remember staying at the Hilton in Mission Bay five, six years ago, getting a $10 credit per person as a diamond for breakfast. Now I'm sure it's higher, maybe 15 now, but they've had the ability to do this all along in the terms. Some properties have done it. This actually compared to what they're doing where they were forcing you into breakfast credits, this gives you more flexibility. And I think the important thing is that if you've stayed in any hotels this year, they're struggling. These restaurants are struggling. I haven't had a hotel breakfast that was either great quality plus great service. I've had some good quality hotel breakfasts, but the service was terrible, or I've just had terrible quality food. And I'm wondering if Hilton just saw this epic struggle that their hotels are having staffing up and all this other stuff, and 
use this as an opportunity, Joe, to sort of spin it in their direction. But so the point is, before this, you could go to many hotels in the United States and get a credit that was less than what this gives you. And that's true uh, to your point of the Waldorf. So there are multiple sides to this. Um, I just don't think the breakfast benefit was as good as people thought. And so they're upset that they think that they took something away that they never had in the first place. Maybe. I, yeah. I don't know. And I think, and I, and in my title, I put people overvalue breakfast in this space, which I think they do. Breakfast is the easiest uh, meal to recreate in your room. You know, you can stop at the store and pick up juice and, and bagels and stuff like that. Um, so you can do that. You can usually find it uh, at a grab and go place. You can, you know, find something cheaper off site. So there's a lot of options for breakfast um, where if you're at the pool and you want to drink, there's not option like you're going to pay that price. So, you know, being able to use it was a plus for me at other places. And I can if I want breakfast, I can figure out a way to make breakfast happen is kind of what my stance was. So that's something to consider. Hilton was always just guaranteed for two people. Some places will let you more. So you didn't even know what you were getting when you showed up. Every place, as Sean said, had their own terms which is super annoying. Um, so, you know, at least you have something in writing now that you can say, hey, this is what I'm supposed to get. You're not giving it to me, even though you could before, but they'd be like, hey, we're going to do what we want. So maybe this will make things more uh, systematic that you know what you're going to get when you show up. I don't know. Well, uh, if you disagree with us, if you agree with us, let us know. I mean, join the, the Miles Memories Facebook group. We love to have a discussion. Just be respectful. And uh, not just about this topic, but anything else, because breakfast is... Uh, Certainly the most important meal of the day, right, Mark? So no, nope. <laughs> I mean, right. so many, so many people are fasting now that they don't even eat breakfast. So there you go. Most people are happy. Intermittent fasting is the death of breakfast and the free breakfast benefit. <laughs> you, you called it right here. There you go. All right, let's let's get into uh, rapid fires and uh, Mark, start us off. Two things. I'll I'll give a double whammy. Barclays is sending out spending offers again uh, for authorized users, uh, 40,000 American Airlines miles, which is pretty big, pretty awesome if you were targeted for it. People are seeing it on the JetBlue card as well as I believe the Wyndham card. And there are upgrade offers for the Hilton Amex cards, upgrade to Ascend or to Aspire, well, Surpass now, sorry. Upgrade to Surpass or Aspire, 150,000 Hilton points for the upgrade. So if you get those, take it. Um, if, you've ha if you've never had the card before, definitely consider that because if you take the upgrade, you will be uh, not allowed to get a welcome offer. But if you had a welcome offer, go for it. Uh, that's pretty hard to beat. How about you, Joe? So Benji wrote an article about he was thinking about going to Disney World in August, but decided not to. So he listed out all of his reasons for passing on the trip. And while I wildly disagree with him, I respect his opinion. But I do think it's worth checking out just one, if you're thinking of going to a theme park this summer, it's good to think about the pros and cons of going. But two, I just think for travel in general, these are kind of the questions that we're all going to be asking ourselves this summer. Like, is this trip worth it? You know, is this experience going to be diminished? You know, maybe you want to go to Europe when there's nobody there, but then if everything's closed, is it going to be worth it? So these are the kinds of things that you should be researching as you're thinking about these trips. So I thought that was a good article by Benji. So that's my rapid fire. What about you, Sean? Mine was an article I wrote about what you should do when you rent a car. And it was inspired by somebody in our Facebook group who told the story about returning a rental car and then getting dinged for not having a front license plate on the car and got charged a whole bunch of money. And it was just a reminder to me that that had just happened to me. I had just gotten overcharged by National for saying I returned the car with the improper amount of gas. 
And uh, because I had a video, I was able to do that. So I talk about documenting your car rentals and how to do it really quickly and easily. And uh, in my case, because I had the footage and the evidence of what the fuel was at, I was able to get the uh, charges waived. And um, I don't want to deal with any hassle. So I'd rather just spend a minute uh, filming, taking a quick uh, video slash pictures and, uh, and do it. So check it out. And uh, it talks about how I protect myself. Throwback to one of my uh, earlier posts. Uh, I think it was like seven reasons why I avoid rental cars like the plague. Because <laughs> they're shitty. There you go. And that's going to do it for us uh, this week. When people aren't listening to this podcast, Joe, where can they find you? You can find uh, my Disney stuff at DisneyDecipher.com. You can find all my social media stuff at As the Joe Flies. The new Disney Cruise Line ship, the Disney Wish, is on sale as you are listening to this. So if you're interested in booking that, since you can't get 1.25x at City anymore, you know, feel free to go through me. You'll get an onboard credit and the ship looks pretty cool. Joseph Chung at travelmission.net. What about you, Mark? You can find me on Twitter at Detroit Mark. Email me, Mark at milestomemories.com. Come to the website, comment on any of the articles there. I'll get back to you. Join the Facebook group, send me messages, emails, uh, direct all your hate to me. And I'll just get... <laughs> How about you, Sean? Show him some respect. Yeah. <laughs> you can reach Mark at hate at milestomemories.com. Hate at milestomemories.com. That goes uh, goes right to Mark's inbox. Uh, no, I mean, our website, we have just so much great content every week from all of our contributors. I, I mean that. I think that they do a great job providing different perspectives, different ideas. We don't all agree with each other, which is great. Yep. Trying I to make say, you think. Benji has an article coming out of why he disagrees on my Hilton take. So look for that this week. Uh, later on this week. Yeah, I mean, we we do back up uh, what we say as far as letting everybody talk and wanting to have the discussion. That's really what we are about. So yeah, that's where you can find it, milestomemories.com, mtmvegas.com for our YouTube stuff. Mark and I do a, a show, a video podcast every week talking about Vegas. And uh, this podcast, mtmpodcast.com. You can search Miles to Memories podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, why not uh, leave us a review, especially if you're on Apple Leave us a five-star review. And that's going to do it for us this week. Talk to you guys next time. Just don't be jerks. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I totally forgot to grab one because of my... All right, well, (laughs) Mark... I was so focused on my rant. Like, I think like, that just, was good. I think we I think we were nice to the people who Sean, are watching live without Well, first of all, we should close out first of all, we should close out the show, but second of all, Sean, Mark wrote notes for himself and you totally threw him off his game. So I didn't know he had notes you. for himself. He was writing <laughs> to him. He was uh, writing notes. I was much angrier coming into the show, but the my by the time we got to it, I wasn't as uh, I totally backed that. him up. I totally backed him up. No, you no, you backed him up. That was good, but I, I was ready. I wanted I wanted the I notes. Know he had notes. I, I knew he had notes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I ruined, right, close the, show, I ruined the rant. Sorry. All right. So it was uh, this Matt says it was a six out of ten rant. Maybe it would have been a seven out of ten if it wasn't for me. It would have been totally eight and a half. Talking him off the list. All right, well, We'll save it for the next uh, for the next rant. In my car on the drive back from uh, up north, when I was thinking about it, I, it would have been a ten. I should have just recorded it and forwarded that to Joe. <laughs> Bonus content, Patreon only. <laughs> <laughs> All right.